Today we're talking all about camera presence. If you've ever had any time standing in front of a camera, you can probably relate to those moments when the red light goes on and your mind goes blank. And maybe when the words finally do come out, you can't help but feel robotic or awkward. Well, today I'm speaking with Mo McRae, who's an expert in helping people develop their on-camera presence. And he says that now more than ever, how you show up on camera is how you're seen in the world. Today, I give him a call to get some of the inside tips for connecting more authentically when staring down the barrel of a camera. Mo McRae is one of Australia's most in-demand commercial directors with over 25 years experience in advertising and film production. Mo won the million dollar screenplay competition Project Greenlight Australia with his brother Kent going on to direct their feature film The View from Greenhaven. He's directed some of Australia's most loved TV commercials including Mother Energy Drink and an ad that many Australians would know, the Sam Kekovich Australia Day Lamb ads. In addition to that, powerful fundraising films for the Sydney Children's Hospital, Western Sydney University and Lifeline. Mo helps people develop their on-camera presence to connect and engage with any audience and leverage the power of video. He believes that how you show up on camera is how you're seen in the world and so he helps bring out the best of you on camera and on cue. Mo, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. Mate, thanks for having me. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I dropped you a message uh, probably six months ago because I, I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast at some point. I took a bit of a short break. And as soon as we kicked back into the series again, I was like, Mo is one of the first people that I want to call and get on the show because you are brilliant at what you do. But before we jump too far into that, three fast facts. What was your first job? Uh, wh sorry, where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do now? Uh, born and bred in Sydney. Uh, and uh, I grew up in uh, Pennant Hills in the Northwest. Um, and, uh, my first job, well, I worked, I remember I worked at a patisserie on Saturday mornings in the holidays <laughs> when I was about 14. And all I remember from that was I, I got to, uh, I was allowed to roll the croissants, but not make them because Claude, the chef wouldn't give anyone his recipe. And I made 280 meat pies every, uh, every Saturday morning. Probably why I like pies. When was uh, the last time you made a pie? <laughs> when I was about 14 <laughs> and, uh, and what do I do now, mate? What I do now is, uh, I, um, mate, I'm teaching people how to bring the best of themselves out on camera, you know, bringing out, uh, on camera presence. I'm bringing out, helping people bring out how great they are in a room and, you know, bring it out online, bring it out on zoom. Amazing. And couldn't be more of a relevant topic now in terms of the conversation that's happening around the world. I mean, if we could all have gone back in time to predict, the last two years, we probably would have all bought shares in Zoom and Microsoft Teams, that's for sure. But I don't think we ever anticipated the amount of time that we would be spending showing up on camera. Um, I, I want to talk about that because I think it's it's just such an important conversation. But can we kind of rewind a little bit and maybe talk a bit about your journey into yourself kind of in this space of, you know, film and, you know, the work that you do now? Like what led you to do what you're doing now? It's a really interesting question. I, I, uh, I, 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 I started off as a graphic designer and then I was a writer in advertising. I, uh, I, I moved to New York and began writing screenplays with my brother. Then back here, we, we won a, um, 
we won a big storm competition called Project Greenlight, which was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's uh, invention, and and uh, we won we won the Australian version of that, which was a reality TV show. It's kind of like say you think you can dance, but it's like say you think you can direct. Um, anyway, we won that. We won a million bucks off Matt and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I always I always like thinking of that like they came up and gave me like a big suitcase of a million dollars. They didn't, but they did give us a million dollars to make a film, and that's how I got into it. But this part of it was really, uh, you know, I, the thing about it is Ken and I were never, we didn't go to film school. We just, we taught ourselves and we learned ourselves. And what I've come to learn over the last 20 years is that I, I, I love the most, what I love the most is bringing out the best of people on camera and, uh, you know, in doing commercial work, like with, uh, with celebrities and, and football stars and actors and politicians and regular people and kids, I work with a lot of kids. There's a real, there's a real magic that happens when you see someone light up on camera, because when we first sit in front of a camera, we, we tend to be awkward and closed off and it kind of makes us a little bit weird. And, uh, and I really get that. And, uh, it's, I love the process of helping people unravel that and be more themselves and then connect with the audience through the lens. Cause it's really possible. And it's, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a magic thing to watch and I love helping people access that. Mm. I mean, for people who are part of, you know, the film industry, being a director, they would know the role of the director, what the director's all about, what what that that job entails. But for people who maybe aren't familiar, who maybe people sit on the other side of the screen, like what's the role of the director? Like what part do you play in kind of bringing a film to life? <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, when my, like when we first got into it, I remember mum saying, so you're the director, so you are, so I guess you are, you write these movies, do you? And it's like, well, no, that's the writer writes them. Are you in the movies? No, the actor's in them. You organize everyone. No, the producer organizes it. And it's like, what does the director do? It's like, really, it's like we stand and point. You know, you just stand around <laughs> on set and do it. You make a million decisions a day on all of the, all of the variables that go together to tell a story, to move an audience for some kind of emotional shift. You know, like you want to, the idea is you want to, you shift someone in the world. So what happens is you're directing a whole lot of crew. You're directing a whole lot of actors, so crew behind the camera, actors in front of the camera. But the funny thing is what I think is actually more important than directing crew or cast is directing your audience. And that's the part where I, I really found, uh, there's a real power in, um, being able to lead your audience you know, lead them through an emotional journey, take them on a story, give them the parts that they need when they need it. And in a way that will give them an outcome, like give them, like shift them, move their, move their emotional state, move their, their state of action or their state of thought and move them in a way over a short period of time, but you've got to make it easy for them. You've got to lead them and all the great directors do that. And, uh, so directing for me really is, is it's directing your audience, you know, and I think that that's the power that all of us now we can learn, you know, you can learn the fundamentals of directing and how to direct yourself and how to direct your own audience. Because now that we're all in this little frame, we're all on screen, uh, a lot of the same principles apply. And, uh, that is, you know, learning how to use this medium well and access it and leverage it is, uh, it's a, it's a good little skill to have. See, I'd never considered that now being in my home, showing up on 
line into a Zoom meeting, I could be a director in my own home through the screen that I have, through the camera, through a webcam, whatever my setup is at home, and actually move my audience, which again, like if you think about most corporate presentations or most meetings that you host, your goal as a leader is to move people towards an outcome, towards a decision, towards mm. something. So we're in this place now directing ourselves. Like what made you take the jump between, you know, spending time in front of like a, you know, very expensive camera to helping people that are potentially sitting behind a very cheap camera? Um, it's, uh, well, it's funny, you know, what happened was, you know, we were all thrown into this video revolution, right? Because three years ago, well, look, I'll tell you this, 10 years ago when I started directing, it was basically about a hundred grand a day to shoot, right? You got big cameras, big lights, big equipment, big budget, big crew, it's just expensive, right? Just a lot of stuff. So, you know, we, no one did it. And then now we've all got, you know, now we've all got a production department in our pocket. You know, this, this little camera here is great. And we've got a couple of little lights around now and we sort of know how to switch it on, press record. And better than that, we've got this, we've got these, uh, incredible distribution channels. So before you had to shoot something for hundreds of thousands, but then you had to buy media space to show anyone. And now we've got all this you know, it's easy to shoot and it's easy to distribute. But, uh, what got me into this was that I suddenly saw all this. So people are doing it. There's this mass proliferation of production, but you realize then that even with the tools and with the lower budgets and the distribution channels, there is no power without being able to access who you're being on camera. And if you don't know how to, to bring that out and move an audience through the screen, then, uh, then all the free stuff doesn't matter. The fact that you've mm. got a camera, the fact that you've got distribution channels, they're irrelevant if we don't know how to perform in a way, how to access the best of ourselves to move an audience. And so I, I had a few people ask me to help them. And then I realized that there was a, there was a lot that I had learned over the years in helping people bring themselves out on camera in big productions that could shift across. And, uh, and it just became, I, man, I just, I love it so much. I love seeing people going from uncomfortable, awkward, um, uh, uh, self-conscious and tight, rigid in front of the camera and becoming expressive and, and fully expressed and fully themselves and being able to deliver in a way that actually engages an audience and actually can move an audience, move an audience even, even more than you can in a room. I know it's very controversial to say that people think they can't connect, but it's, uh, yeah, it's there's possible. a default response, isn't there? I, I saw this a lot really early on where people go, well, great. We're online now. We can't make the same decisions that we would if we were in the room together. We can't connect in the same way as we would if we were in a room together. And yet the same people who are making those comments will sit and bawl their eyes out in a movie theater on the weekend, um, being so compelled to, you know, watch a documentary or watch a film that kind of can, can move them. I mean, we, if you think about the last couple of years, everyone can relate to showing up to a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting and looking across the thing and cameras are off. And if they are on, it's, you know, a camera that's a laptop down pointing up the nose of somebody who's, you know, reading off a second monitor. I, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of Zoom meetings where I go to where it feels, the, the words I would use were compelling, moving, human, engaging, you know? What, what gets yeah. in the way of this? What, what stops people from creating that experience? Well, I think there's two things. Yeah, there's two things to really consider there. One is, and it's, a, it's all about, I reckon this little magic power that the camera has, right? The, 
as soon as you put a lens in front of someone, as soon as you put a camera in front of someone, uh, <laughs> I, sorry, someone over the age of five, um, what happens is the immediate, the immediate piece of magic it does is it shuts us down because it says you are, you are on and you are going to be seen. And we just, we retreat and we worry. It's like, it's like stepping on a stage if we're unused to it. It's like it's being, it's, it's almost, it feels like you're being interrogated and it feels unhuman. And it is a little bit, it's a piece of glass in a round little loop and it's a little weird. So we kind of go a bit weird and then we just talk weird. We start using a weird voice and we sit really still and we don't make many expressions and we try and talk like a newsreader. Then the newsreader talk is really boring. And then we have this weird inflection and then every sentence sounds the same. We say it over again as if we're going to be interesting, but we're not because it's the same. And it's like- I'm feeling it, triggered it by this. this. <laughs> it has this- <laughs> Mate, it's, you know what? It reminds me of when, uh, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, the voicemail message like that I hear on my mum and dad's phone, you know, cause like mum's, mum's Italian and she's very, she's, she's got this, uh, energy and hands and she'll talk all the time and everything. But if you call the phone and say, hi, you've called Trish, please leave a message. And I'm like, who's, who's still on mum's phone? And it's like, I reckon we're all like that when we get on camera. You know, it just weirds us out. That's the first bit of magic that you go, how does this little machine make us so weird like that? All this brilliance that we are in a room, because everyone's, you know, everyone has this way of being magic when they're having dinner with people or when they meet people or they've got, when they've got their confidence and their comfort and their, you know, people that say, I have, I'm good in a room. I just can't do it through Zoom. But the thing about the camera I love is it has an ability to capture not what you do and what you say, but who you are. It has, an ability, it has this little magic ability to pick up what's oozing out of you. And, mm. and I think if we're conscious about what we fill ourselves up with before we go on camera, while we're on camera, and how we use ourselves in frame, how we use our voice and our vocal modulation, if we're aware of that, if we're conscious of what the variables can do to an audience, what happens is we show up and we are just being more of ourselves. We're accessing more of ourselves. Well, I always talk about accessing, not acting. Mm. And we access the best of ourselves and the camera has the magic to pick it up. So what happens is people do see, they just, they're just looking at you and they're going, what's going on there? There's something good. I like that. You know, like the same way you feel when you see someone magic walk into a room. There's an energy about them that you can't pinpoint exactly what it is they're doing. And I think on camera, you know, camera really has the magic to do that, has the ability to, 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 to reach into our soul and, and pull out the good bits. Great actors know how to put those bits in front of the camera so the camera can pull it out and make audiences cry. Like you said, mm. you know, we've all sat in theaters and cried at, at beautiful, fictitious characters being brought to life with reality you know, through great performances. And this is about, you know, we can all do that. We can all bring parts of ourselves out so that the camera can capture it and the audience can be moved by it. And, uh, yeah, sorry, that's my camera rant. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. The thing that, that, um, 
I immediately go to because I I get this. Like I I do this every day. I, I encourage people to show up online and put their face on camera and all those things. But I know based on the conversations I've had with people and I know what people are thinking who might be listening to this who don't care about it. They're going, Mo, you're a you're a film director. Like you've done this for a living. So of course you would say that video is really important. And the mm. way that I show up into the team and Zoom meeting is actually really, really critical. I, I'm not sure if I'm buying it. I don't need to be an actor. I don't need to, you know, have a really great, you know, camera presence or all the things you're talking about. Why, why do, why do they need it? Like, let's convince people, like, let's, let's talk it through. Why, why would they actually need to show up in a good way online? I think because, uh, you know, because humans are really smart. Right. And we're really good at actually listening to who someone is more than what they say. We're listening to, uh, and we're taking on and we're believing what's true about them more than the show. So it's not, it's not so much about acting, but it's not about acting in the same way. It's not about how clever your words are. You know, you, we can all write some clever words and say some awesome stuff. And, but you know what it's like? Someone says some really clever, awesome stuff, but you kind of go, I just, I don't believe you. And what we're believing when we do believe someone is their own self-belief and the truth in them and who they're being. And I just think that what happens is because the camera does shut us down first up, if that little facade comes up and we're trying to be something we're not, we're trying to, we're trying to over-polish it or we're trying to cover it up or we're ignoring the power or the ability for other people to see who we really are. What happens is we're, we're just... I think we're not doing justice to ourselves or to the people we can serve and what we can give to the world because it, it's similar to being able to, being able to speak well, being able to write something, being able to communicate. It's, uh, it's just a new skill that we haven't, we haven't had to do this. We didn't, we, you know, we learned creative writing at school. We learned persuasive writing. We learn how to talk and we, now we just need to learn how to use the camera because this is a, uh, you know, how we show up in video now more than ever, how we show up in video is how we're seen in the world. That's, that's one I'm going to, I'm going to take that. Cause that's, that's worth kind of repeating. Like the way we show up on camera is how we show up in the world. I, I couldn't agree more. We, I did some research for my latest book. We asked a thousand Australian managers around things about organizational culture and team culture. And we asked, like, what do you think are the things that contribute towards an unhealthy culture in an organization and a healthy culture? And we basically came up with the top five culture killers and the top five culture builders. And sitting at number one and number three in the top five culture killers, according to Australian managers, is number one, a lack of trust, is that I, I don't trust the leader. And, this, and number three was absent or disconnected leaders, meaning the leaders that don't show up and aren't visible to the rest of their team. And so when we talk about this, like the things that you're saying here is like my inability to show up fully human and fully myself on camera if I get shut down is actually inhibiting A, my ability to build trust with my team. That's and trust. B, if I'm ignoring it, it's I'm becoming absent or disconnected from my team and we lose some of that connection. These are things that are going to kill a team culture as well, right? Absolutely. And there was a, there's a great piece around video culture, you know, that, uh, that I speak about, which is really, there is a, there is a, cause we are through it. It is a, you know, it's a new platform. It's a new medium, something that we haven't had to deal with that, um, that much over time, but it really, of course it shapes the culture, shape the culture in the same way we're either in the office or out, we're remote desking or we're in teams or we're in silos or in different buildings. 
this is driving culture. And uh, so being able to use it and just knowing the variables, understanding so that what we do, understanding the variables so that what we do is either is a choice. So we can choose to be different ways on camera, like we can choose to be different ways in a room or in a work environment. But it's a choice, not just an automatic response. Because if it's an automatic response, the automatic response is going to be that nervous, closed off, restricted, tight, formal, disconnected one that we just naturally slip into. And I, I would see this, if you're an existing leader, a seasoned leader, it's going to increase your credibility and trust when you show up more authentically and more human and uh, more yourself on camera. But if you're an aspiring leader or you're looking to get the attention of people, you don't get the attention of people by showing up poorly in, in online meetings. Like you really don't capture people's attention in that way. And the challenge is that often you can be a really great employee, but you're you're not showing up in a great way online and it can be undermining your ability to be able to get your message heard within a meeting. I could imagine that that would be impacting for people, right? Absolutely. And it's a, cause it is a bit of a credibility piece too. You know, we don't yeah. want to become overly polished. And like I said, you don't, we don't want to be talking like, um, we don't want to be talking like news readers all yeah. the time, but we want to be able to look our best and sound our best and be clear and articulate in a way that works on camera, in the same way that we learn stagecraft if we're keynote speakers, or that we learn uh, how to just uh, uh, deliver presentations if we're if we're selling and we're upfront and we're representing a brand. You know, we learn all these skills, and this is just about accessing the tricks and the tools and the variables to control the variables that are. Uh, on-camera stuff that have an effect on an audience. So, so important. All right, let's get into some of the nitty-gritty stuff because I know people who are listening to this, they may or may not, they've got a ring light at home, but they're, they're maybe not in the place where they can go out and spend thousands of dollars in the production value. Can you show up online mm. without having top-tier gear? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I hate I hate expensive gear, you know? <laughs> I don't mind. I, seriously, I just, it's the, like, just don't waste your money. Um. It's, uh, you've got, I mean, look, it's nice to have a nice little camera, throw a couple of lights up, whatever, but really you can get away with that with minimal expense. Um, and what's more important is what's in front of the camera and it's who you're being. And, uh, that's what I like to focus on because the gear will always change. You know, the gear will, gear will change a million times over. And I've, I've seen, I've seen people with very expensive gear still look really rubbish. And, uh, because if there, there's a, you know, there's this, uh, disconnected facade that's, uh, it doesn't matter what gear you've, you've got. I agree. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we show up as humans on the other side of a camera. Um, cause I've seen it as well. I do it at times. I remember having a conversation. We've got a mutual friend, Alicia Mackay. We were sitting down one time having a podcast recording and we were chatting and we were kind of bantering away. And then we hit record. And then we were like, Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> and it was like immediately changed. <laughs> this, this ability the camera, for things mate, to change it. <laughs> the thing is evil until it's magic. It is. So how do we how do we get past that immediate light goes on? As soon as we said see the red light, we're deer in the headlights, we shut down. What do we do to get out of that space? Well, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of exercises. Uh a lot of exercises I take people through, you know, from uh, you know, from how to, how to set up a, yourself for a movie star mindset to, to prepare yourself to be great on camera before you walk on set. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's script structuring or your variables of vocal dynamics, 
or uh, video Pilates, which is like <laughs> how, how you move around the screen, like using, using the fundamentals of film construction of wide shot, mid shot, close up to bring your audience in. And you can, so we talk about that sort of stuff, but in terms of just how do you get access more of yourself, uh, and not slip into uh, camera voice, mm. I think the best thing to do is this, uh, and are you happy for me to just go, just run a little exercise for, yeah, please for everyone. Do. Okay. So it's a bit hard if you, if you're just listening, but, but just do this. Uh, think about a radar. There's a performance radar that I take people through. And I think it's one of the most powerful tools. If you imagine a radar screen, right? So draw on your page across vertical line, horizontal line, three little circles coming out from the center. And uh, the horizontal axis is intimacy, right? So on the left-hand side, you've got low intimacy. Right-hand side, you've got high intimacy. High intimacy is about them. You know, when you're talking about your audience, you're talking about what's what's going on in their world and how it feels for them and the impact for them. Low intimacy is about you and about how clever you are and about your stuff, you know, what you're going to do, what you think should happen. The vertical axis is, uh, is energy. The vertical axis is high energy up the top, low energy down the bottom. And what I want you to do is think about this. Think about five minutes of your, of the last time you were on camera, right? If it was in a meeting, or if it was, uh, you may have been delivering some content or doing a presentation. Uh, you may have been, uh, you may have been in a sales meeting. You may have been on a podcast, a video podcast. Think about five minutes of that. Take five minutes. If you've got a recording even better. And what I want you to do is plot out on that radar with a little dot, plot out where your energy and your intimacy was every 30 seconds. And Shane, what, what we find is usually when people go through this, you know, they put a dot every 30 seconds. And what you find is most of our dots sit in a little clump pretty close to the center, right? We've got a bit of energy. We've got a little bit of intimacy. But where, wherever we sit and wherever we start, we tend to kind of stay there for that five minutes. And you blow that out to 45 minutes or 90 minutes and it doesn't change much. You draw a little circle around those dots and it's a little circle in the big middle of a big radar. Now that's your, that's your performance map. That shows where you're, what you're giving to your audience and what an audience responds to is uh, uh, a, a variation. They respond to surprise and they respond to uh, intrigue. And if you think about a movie, it's not a, it's not a monotone delivery of the script because if it was, it'd be pretty boring, right? unless it was Quentin Tarantino reading it, which would be okay, but still not as good as his actual films. So we want to take them high and low. We want to take them intimate, like high intimacy, low intimacy. We want to go high energy, low energy. We want a range of vocal dynamics. We want a range of how we're being on screen. We want gaps. We want pauses. We want space. Then you want noise. You want speed. You want words. And if you, if you think about taking that little shape in the middle of your radar and go, I don't want a small shape. I want that five minutes to look like a splatter. Mm. If I draw, I just want the dots to be everywhere. I want them all over this radar. And what I do is I take the way to get to that is we explore this, uh, the four voices of presence that I call them. And I, I get help people to identify and access their four voices of presence so that they can 
they've got little triggers so that they can access them on camera, on cue. And that way you are, you, you expand your, uh, your ability to bring out all the best parts of yourself that are already there, but we're just identifying them and accessing, not acting, we're accessing. And, uh, by doing that, we instantly shift ourselves just by knowing what we look like on that performance radar. We become conscious of where our little circle is and we can be more of ourselves, more of our, our varied, beautiful, different, articulate selves. I mean, if you think about the last Zoom meeting or the team meetings that you're in, like just simple things, like people who are listening to this probably can't see it. They'll probably notice the microphone gets a little bit louder and a little bit softer based on the conversation. But what people can't see if they can't, if they're not watching the video is that you're, you're, you're sitting back in the camera and you've got this really nice framing around you and then you'll lean in and you'll kind of, you Oof. get that sort of intimacy in the camera. And I mean, if we were in a room together, you might do that. You might walk up to a desk or you might walk up to a, off the stage. We can kind of do that naturally. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, you, you do it in stagecraft, you know, like you, you will be back and you'll talk, you know, context and, and you'll come to the front of the stage and you'll be, you know, it's really about the facts and the deep, uh, uh, the deep and important uh, variables that will that can uh, shift an audience. But then you might step down into the room and come and walk around a table and go, so how's that feeling for you? Mm. How's that working in your world? Let's talk about that. Tell me what you think about that. And it is intimate. And you are bringing it down. You don't walk down and stand behind someone and yell like you would at, at the front of a stage of 12,000 people. And we can yeah. do the same thing on screen. You know, we can, we can go wide shot, we can go mid shot and we can go close up. And the way we do that, it actually triggers stuff in a, in an audience's mind before we even open our mouths. I guarantee you try this trick. If you're sitting in a zoom room and you want to be, you want someone to say, um, Shane, what do you think of that? Just come into your camera like this and look nice and close. <laughs> and you look like you're about to say something and they'll say, Shane, did you want to say something about that? It's better than putting your hand up. Super, super practical. I think this, this stuff here is, is just, it seems so simple, but it can connect a message at a deeper level, right? You can, when you think about, I've got something that I need to get across here. And if I don't get it across, what ends up happening is we have to have the same conversation over and over and over again. It chews up more of our time. We spend more time in online meetings, but if we get it right the first time, if we engage people in a way that cuts through with our message, we don't have to kind of keep repeating ourselves. And it's just real simple tweaks to engage people. And this big one here is around just being aware of our, our energy and our presence when we're showing up, how we're kind of scattering across that radar grid um, and just being a little bit more intentional. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic, just little shifts. Would I, 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 would I assume that's right? That's right. It is. It is very much about being intentional and it's about being intentional about every part of it. In the same way we've learned how to do that with, with every other element of our work, you know, we are conscious of, uh, you know, we're conscious of spelling mistakes. It's like, don't put a proposal together and spell their name wrong and have it with a whole lot of mistakes in it. Because what that says is it says you're unprofessional and uh, it says you don't pay attention and it says they're not going to give you the job. But we've, we've actually tricked ourselves in the last couple of years. People have, have said, oh, no, no, I'm just being the authentic me. It's just me and I'm authentically at home. It's like, yeah, but if your authentic home is a messy background, <laughs> shorts underneath where I can't see, but, you know, it's like if you're not, if you're not really on and you're not paying attention and you're not intentional about what's in your background, how you're looking on screen and how you're speaking, I'm kind of just going to go, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's authentic, but it's also a bit lazy. It's a bit rubbish. Mm. And we, we want to be more intentional about how we show up, who we're being, how we're seen in the same way we do, we do that for everything else in business. We just need to really um, know that there's the, there's the same value in doing that on camera. Do you think people would, I don't know what your sense on this is, but I often find that when we're, we're seeing a person speak on stage in we're in real life, they can do subtle things that can completely derail my ability to be able to listen to what they're trying to say. So it might be something really simple. It's maybe it's a person who's got really, you know, dirty glasses. Maybe it's, they've got their shirt kind of half untucked or they've yeah. got, you know, like shoelaces undone. It's like, yeah. I would never consciously say I'm not listening to this person because they got their shoelaces undone, but it just subconsciously gets in the way of kind of, the, of their message cutting through. And the stuff you're talking about, I could imagine that no one's going to sit there and go, oh, hey, your messy background's stopping me from listening to you. But they would probably still subconsciously be going, oh, I find it really hard to connect with this person, but I can't quite put my finger on why because it's all the little things. Dave, that is exactly right. And that's a beautiful example you've just given. And I, the way I like to think of it is when, uh, if you think about the way, the way, the effort that goes into putting a film together and a director is trying to lead an audience in the, in the best way through a story, yeah, they, they remove anything from the frame that isn't adding to the story, anything that's distracting from the performance, anything that is taking the audience out of the world of the message that's being delivered. And we need to think that way too, because that's exactly what happens. It's like, uh, you know, when you used to go back when you were a kid and we'd go and find mistakes in movies, right? And what you'd do is you'd re, you know, you'd go, I reckon there was something, there was something weird there in the background and so you rewind and play and you rewind and play and you rewind and play. Then you press pause and you go, ha ha, see, right? We're in Roman times and I can see a car in the background mm. and he's wearing a watch to, you know, it's a battle scene from 1066. And it's, he's, what, what's he doing with a digital watch on? And um, what we're doing in Zoom meetings is we're basically on pause for 45 minutes or an hour. And it's like everyone, of course, everyone's sitting there and they're, they're getting all judgy and they're looking in your background and going, Wow. He's reading that. Interesting. Mm. And wow, those, uh, those bookshelves are a bit messy, a bit crooked. Yeah. It's a weird way. That's a weird hanging to have on your wall. And <laughs> we are, we've got to be conscious of what the audience are reading into because they will, you know, yeah. if you sit back and say, oh, I don't care. I'm just being authentic. It's like, look, I could be authentic and turn up to a meeting in board shorts and a singlet might be authentically me, but it's not going to get me the job. Yeah. I could be authentically a bad speller. I am um, dyslexic, bad speller. So if, if I was authentically writing a proposal, I wouldn't win a job. We've got to be conscious of, of, uh, of and intentional around all of the things that we're putting forward uh, mm. so that we can, like you said, so that, so that the audience are, have the best ability to focus on us and we're helping them. You know, so there was a great quote from um, Seth Godin, uh, I can't remember which book it was from, but he said, if, if your audience isn't listening, it's not their fault, it's yours. Mm. And I think that is so true on camera. If you lose them, it's because they're looking at something else or the way you are yeah. being is not allowing them to hear you the way you want. And the best way to do that is be intentional about what they're looking at, intentional about the way you are in frame. And intentional about how you're accessing the best of yourself and bringing the energy you have when you're face-to-face -face 
bringing that to life when you're on screen. This is so helpful. I honestly couldn't agree more. In terms of the the intentionality is the big word that I, I hear in all of this. I, I use this quote a lot because I really loved it. It was from a podcast that I did with Beck Brown in, in one of the earlier seasons. She said, we're not responsible for what other people think about us, but we are responsible for the story that we project to the world. And I, I think there's so much intentionality about, like, I can't control what this other person thinks about me what their response is, but I tell you what, I can take responsibility for the story that I'm projecting to them, which can influence the way that they think about me or the way that they they see me. And so this stuff is is so simple. The 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 video world is not going away. Like it's not it's not going to be this thing that just was a buzz for two years and then videos off again. This is going to be something that's deeply embedded to the future of work. I could imagine. Uh, absolutely. And this comes back to you know I like to think of, um, you know. I love to think of it. It really is a video. It's a revolution, right? Mm. In 1452, when Gutenberg invented, built his, you know, the first printing press. And there was, you know, there was two others invented around the same time, one in Korea, one in um, Southern China, I think. And there was this, you know, before that time, no one knew how to read or write. I mean, geez, no one knew how to write because no one had to read. After that, everyone realized that there was this mass proliferation of information and knowledge being disseminated across the world. Libraries were built. You know, it was no longer just the monks who wrote and read. You know, they didn't have to go down to the village square and read out for people. So everyone realized if we need act, if we need to, if we can, if we want to get access to this information, we need to learn how to read just to keep up. And that mm. became the basis of our education. Learn to read so that you can learn what is out there. But what the, what leaders realize is that learning to read would keep you up to date, but if you want to lead the revolution, you have to be able to write. You have to be able to write the words that others will read. And what we've done here with video is we've got so good at consuming it. You know, my, like my kids, they consume video on three screens at the one time. They're literally watching TV. They've got their laptop open and they're on their phone. So that we're great at reading video. We're great at consuming it, but we've got to get good at making it. Because if we, if we get good, at, if we're only good at watching it, we'll keep up. But if we want to lead and we want to get ahead, this is not going away, as you said. If we want to lead and get ahead and be at the forefront of this revolution and the next, this next level of communication across the world and ability to leverage our message, leverage our business, leverage our power, our value, our influence, our impact on the world, then we need to know how to use it. We need to know how to write video. So helpful. Okay, let's let's before we wrap this up, let's look at like really, really practical, simple things that a person can do that just steps up their game. Let's not talk transformational stuff. Let's just talk okay. immediately top, you know, two or three things that they could be doing right now. Okay, uh, top two or three. Definitely do the performance radar thing for yourself because as soon as you become conscious of where your voice is and how you show up, you will automatically begin to, you know, like you will automatically begin to see the potential for where to shift it. Uh, here's a here's a really great little trick I'll give you though. This is just one of my favorite, all-time favorite tricks. Um, part of what we respond to is the energy in someone's face. You know, the human eye has this incredible ability to see all the micro movements and stuff. So you you respond well, people respond well to a Duchenne smile, you know, the smile where we smile with our eyes. Because a fake smile, we can see through it and subconsciously we just go, yeah, no. Um, so when people say smile at the camera, smile at the lens, I reckon that's rubbish. 
because you can't. It's a lens. It's a camera, right? So what you can, the idea is not to put a smile on. The idea is to be happy. So what I tell people to do is find a photo. Find a photo of the one person in your life who makes you laugh more than anyone else in the world. Now, here's a hint. It's not a family member, right? <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually not a family member. It's usually not one of your kids. You don't have to be sweet about this. You don't, it's not your partner, right? Because they're all loaded with all these other things, right? They're cute sometimes and they're annoying sometimes and they're, they're lovely sometimes and they're a bit uh, sometimes. Think of someone who, probably an old friend, probably someone who's slightly inappropriate, probably someone who you got up to some mischief with and you laughed foolishly, endlessly uh, with, and you have memories around that. Find a photo of that person. Get that photo and put it really small, really close to your camera, just under your lens. I've got a photo of a mate who wasn't even a super close mate. He was a mate of my brother's, but he was the funniest human being I ever met. And we went away for a, a couple of weekends when we were much younger. And I, 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 I thought I was going to break ribs. I was laughing so much. <laughs> and his camera sits here all the time. Now, is that a little bit weird? Yeah, maybe, but no one else is looking in at what my set is. But what that does is I look at that and it just makes me smile. And what we fill ourselves up with is what oozes out of us. And what oozes out of us is what the camera picks up on. So find a photo of that person that makes you smile. I guarantee you, your face changes when you look at them. Your face changes when you think of that memory. Keep it there. Keep it right there. So I'm just right here, right under your lens. And every time you look at them, you'll show up on camera with a little bit of magic. The people go, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on there. But they feel like they're, they have a good energy. I feel like they're present. They're here. And I want to be around them. And that's a good way to start. Love it. I love it. Just be conscious about how you show up in the frame from how you frame yourself on camera, being able to utilize the space that you have to get close and be intimate, to step back and to be light and how that energy shows up. And then be aware. One of the things I love this statement you keep saying is what, what we put into us oozes out of us. And that, that for me, like allowing yourself to be in a good space when you show up online, just is going to help come across in a, in a more natural way on camera. Mo, this has been such a helpful conversation. Um, I, I personally, I think this is the thing that is going to set uh, leaders apart um, going forward. Uh, you know what? We consume video all the time, but leaders are going to be the people who lead the way in this. And uh, it's really, really super helpful. So I know you do, honestly, I, I've um, I've seen some of the videos that you do that you put out in terms of helping people do this. And you've got a program which actually helps people to show up, um, you know, and, and work on their virtual presence and their video presence. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. And then how can people connect with you? Mate, the program is called On Camera Presence. And it's a, uh, it's an eight week online program. We dig right into all of, all of this, all the tips and tricks and the tools to identify and access the best of yourself and bring it out and put it on camera. And it's, uh, it's really about directing, you know, all those tricks of directing your set, directing yourself and then structuring scripts and, and delivery so that you're directing your audience. Uh, and you can find uh, the program runs for eight weeks. Uh, there's another one. Oh, there's one starting all the time. So just uh, jump on my website, uh, momacrae.com, and you can see all the details there. There's some, uh, you can see some of the awesome, wonderful people I've had the privilege of coaching as well. And they say some nice things, which is good. 
and uh, but just jump on. And there's a bunch of videos. There's a bunch of videos on there which will give you give you tips as well. You know, there's more stuff that you can you can access even at any time just to kind of to be conscious of how we can get better at bringing ourselves the best of ourselves to life on camera. And I'll put all the details and the links to those in the in the show notes for the podcast. And and honestly, you're not just exceptional what you do, Mo. You're also just an exceptional human being and a great bloke. And so I know that people won't only just get great content from you, but they'll just be around a really great human being. And so thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Buddy, thank you so much. Very kind of you and uh, absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure to be here. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.